This is the Everyday Christian Podcast, coming to you from the Beacon Church of Christ in West Monroe, Louisiana. Here's your host, Chase Green. Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 7 of the Everyday Christian Podcast, where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Now, if you're listening to this when the episode comes out, assuming that all goes well, it'll be April 13th, 2020. And I'm recording this a few weeks ahead of that, but we're in the midst of an outbreak, the novel coronavirus, the COVID-19 virus that has really taken a major toll on our country as well as on the economy, and it looks very, very serious. Now, again, I'm recording this back in March. This, This episode's set to not come out until April. By the time you're listening to this, it could be even worse than what it was in March. I'm aware of this, and I wanted to talk about this in the podcast. I thought about it for a while. I thought about, well, I'll just go on business as usual. But as things continue to get really bad, I figured I need to go ahead and address this. You know, I had planned on, for this episode, talking about Christians and finance. And that's certainly a very important topic. I do want to talk about that at some point in the future, so... Just bear with me on that. I'll eventually get around to that, Lord willing. But this is something that I figured was more pertinent at the time being. And that is, how do Christians deal with such a tragedy, such a terrible situation in our country? I want to share some of the thoughts that I gave in a Sunday morning Bible class, again in March of 2020, at the Beacon Church of Christ, where I'm privileged to serve as minister. I tried to share these thoughts with a level head and with emphasis on both physical and spiritual well-being during these difficult times. So I hope that this will be helpful to you. Again, some of this that I'm talking about here uh, after a few weeks have transpired. It may be a little bit different. Hopefully it's going to be better. It could be worse. And so please just bear with me. Understand that I, again, am recording this in March. You're probably listening to this in April or later, and I just want to discuss some of the things about this situation from a Christian perspective. Have you ever heard the joke about the man who was in a flood? Well, a terrible flood was engulfing his house, and as the flood reached his doorsteps, a big army truck that was able to drive through some of that came by and offered to rescue him. The man simply replied, I don't need your help. God's going to save me. As the floodwaters continued to rise, the man climbed to the second story of his home, and a man in a boat pulled up to his window and said, Come on, let's go. I'll save you. But the man again said, I don't need your help. God is going to save me. Well, the waters continued to rise to the point that the man had to get on top of his roof. A helicopter hovered over the man's roof and pleaded with him to get aboard. The man once again replied, I don't need your help. God will save me. Eventually, the man succumbed to the waters. He drowned, so he died and goes to heaven. He's enjoying his time there in heaven, and he's having a nice, pleasant conversation with God. Again, this is just a joke. He tells God how much he's enjoying heaven, and he's so glad that he made it, and he eventually works up the courage to ask God what he's been dying to know. God, I have to ask you this, he says. Why didn't you save me? 
To which God replies, I sent you a truck, a boat, and a helicopter. Well, what's the point of this joke? The point is that God did his part, but he expected the man to do his part as well. I am not a Calvinist. And there are many reasons that I am not a Calvinist. You say, what's a Calvinist? Calvinism basically, to sum it up in just a few words, is this idea of, it's sometimes summarized as tulip, total hereditary depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. Now, again, one of those things that I mentioned, limited atonement, would be one reason why I'm not a Calvinist. Now, I don't agree with any of those five points, but I want to emphasize here limited atonement. Basically, the idea that the atonement offered by the blood of Christ was intended only for a pre-selected group of people who God chose at random to be saved before the world ever began. And they use the term predestination. That term is in the Bible, but they use it incorrectly to say that God selected certain people to be saved and certain people to be damned. And we don't even have a choice in the matter. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we have free will and we do have a choice. We have a say in our salvation. There are many scriptural problems with this idea of limited atonement. I bring this up because a correct understanding of Scripture demands that people understand that both God has a role in salvation as well as man. God did his part. He sent his only begotten son to die on a cross, be buried in the tomb, to rise again on the third day, to offer atonement for the sins of all those who obey him. See Hebrews 5 verse 9. Obedience is man's part. A true Calvinist would ask, what do you mean man's part? Well, let me tell you. In the context of Peter's first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection, Acts 2 verse 40 says, And with many other words did he, that is Peter, testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. A true Calvinist would have to throw that verse out of the Bible. For a Calvinist teaches that salvation is purely on the part of God, and man doesn't play a role. But this verse is saying that people can save themselves. How can people save themselves? The answer is in obedience to the gospel. Acts 2 verse 38 shows us how that is accomplished. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want you to look up the following verses and read them and their context regarding obeying the gospel. The Bible teaches that this matter is critical. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 talks about Jesus is going to return one day in flaming fire, and those who do not obey the gospel are going to be the ones that are in trouble. 1 Peter 4, verse 17 also talks about and asks a question about those who are not willing to obey the gospel. You need to look that verse up. Romans 10, verse 16 is bemoaning the fact that many people refuse to obey the gospel. You must obey the gospel in order to be a Christian, in order to go to heaven. Now, how can you obey the gospel, the historical event, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 4, how can you obey the gospel? How can you obey the historical event of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? 
The answer is found in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and following, and Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, where both of these passages connect us to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in baptism. Okay? If you are in sin, when you're baptized, as a, when, you, when you are obeying the gospel, when you're baptized, you put that old man of sin to death, you're buried in the water, you rise up to walk in newness of life. Romans 6, verses 1 and following, Colossians 2, verses 12 through 14, teach those facts very plainly. You connect obedience to the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you connect that to Christian baptism. There are many other passages that teach these truths. Let me just throw several of them out there. Acts 2.38 again, Mark 16.16, Galatians 3.27, 1 Peter 3.21. There are many passages, Acts 22.16. There are so many passages that show that baptism, immersion in water, is absolutely necessary for salvation. You must be baptized. You must be baptized for the right reason, too. Uh, Obeying from the heart, the form of doctrine that was delivered unto you, Romans 6, uh, verse 17. You must do that in order to be saved. But the point in all of this is that man absolutely does play a role in his own salvation. Absolutely, God does. And certainly, without God, we could not be saved. Without the sacrifice of Christ... We could not be saved. But we also have the responsibility to save ourselves in in a sense that we have to obey what God told us to do in order to be saved. God does not desire robots that he forces to obey. No, he gave us free will and he wants us to choose to obey him. Back to the coronavirus. Just as God expects us to prepare spiritually, he also expects us to use the common sense that he gave us to prepare physically for things that we need in life. One example of this is in Genesis chapter 41, the account of Joseph. Joseph was a prepper. Do you remember the dreams that Pharaoh had and only Joseph could interpret them? Seven fat calves swallowed up by seven lean calves, unhealthy calves, followed by seven healthy ears of corn, swallowed up by seven unhealthy ears of corn. What was Joseph's interpretation to those dreams? His interpretation was that Pharaoh needed to prepare. Seven years of plenty would be followed by seven years of famine, starvation. And if Pharaoh prepared by storing up vast quantities of grain, then Egypt would be spared while the rest of the world suffered through this famine. Well, what is the application for us today? It is not unreasonable for us to conclude that God expects us to use the common sense that he blessed us with to prepare for coming events. Now, someone may say, well, you're contributing to the panic by saying that. Well, the panic has already happened. The stock market, you see what's happening there. You see this virus drastically spreading to all areas of the world, pretty much. You've seen examples in Italy and Iran and South Korea and China of what's happened, and and thankfully we've had a head start on this. We need to prepare for what is coming. You need to prepare to take care of your family. Prepare for the worst and hope for the best. That's what we need to be doing. You need to follow the instructions of the government to, to listen to them as they continue to ramp up 
security measures. I trust that the government still has our best interest at heart. So, so obey them. Don't cause unnecessary turmoil on yourself and on those around you by disobeying the government on this. You need to stock up on food and water and medicines and hygiene products and first aid kits, batteries, flashlights, candles, matches, all that stuff. You need to stock up on some of those things just in case. Uh, what if we get quarantined? And again, you may already be quarantined by the time you're listening to this. Ammo. Ammo is something that's good to stock up on as well, right? You want to be able to defend yourself. But the point is you need to prepare. If the government says mandatory quarantine for a month, you don't want to be caught unprepared. It's not a lapse of faith to prepare. God expects us to use the common sense that he's given us to prepare. In Genesis 41, what he had Joseph do for Egypt is a good example of this. Back to the joke, he expects you to get on the truck, get on the boat, get on the helicopter, save yourself from the current situation. With all that said, it's very important that you prepare for your physical needs, but it is so much more important that you prepare spiritually. This country has been in a spiritual lull for decades now. We need to wake up. This may be the wake-up call that we needed. If you lose a lot of money in your 401k, your Roth IRA, those kinds of things, yes, that's serious stuff. We don't want to belittle that. That's going to cause a lot of hardship. It's serious, but it's not the end of the world. Money is not everything. There's so much more important matters that you need to think about. Matthew 16, verse 26 says, For what is man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 6, verse 33 talks about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added unto us. We don't need to, to worry about the various things uh, that are not as important in life. God will provide what we need. We need to seek first the kingdom of God. The very next verse, verse 34 of Matthew 6, says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Prepare, but don't worry yourself sick about what's going to happen. I know that's easier said than done sometimes, but seriously, prepare. You may, be, you, may, you may have some concern, and concern is legitimate, but don't worry yourself sick. Don't think that the sky is falling. Don't panic. Christians of all people must have a clear head, a, a clear mind. We must be the voice of reason during these difficult times. We must be here, here for one another and for the community. We need to help people whenever we have opportunity. We need to teach people the gospel because that is the absolute most important thing. I urge you to consider the state of your soul as this is by far the most important matter you could ever consider. Consider the state of your soul. If you'd like to study the Bible because you're not sure about the state of your soul, I'll be glad to help you with that, whether it be uh, through messages online on my Facebook or email my email will be in the show notes. You can look me up on Facebook as well. You might find me. Uh, there's probably more than one Chase Green, but if you look hard enough, you can find me there. You can message me. 
Um, I'll study with you remotely as long as the t- technology is there to be able to do so. Whatever it takes, I will help you and, and other Christians will help you know what the Bible teaches about salvation. Make your calling and election sure, okay? Make sure that you are right with God. This could be a wake-up call for many, many people in this country, many complacent, lukewarm people who may have a semblance of faith but really aren't really walking in the light. And so I hope that it is a wake-up call. I hope that people will understand the seriousness of their souls and will turn to God during this difficult time. Understand that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Make sure that you are prepared for whatever lies ahead. Make sure that you are prepared ultimately for eternity. I appreciate you for joining me for this episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I know that this is not a pleasant topic, but guess what? Sometimes things in life aren't pleasant. And sometimes the unpleasant things in life are exactly what we need to remind us of the importance of preparing for the next life. I hope that this will help us to do so. I want to talk about next episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast, and Lord willing, episode 8 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. We'll get back to normal discussion, and we're going to talk about everyday Christians and time management. Again, our time is limited. Maybe perhaps now we understand that better than we did a few months ago. Our time is limited. It's not guaranteed. Our life is like a vapor. And so I hope that you'll join me next time for the Everyday Christian Podcast as we discuss time management for Christians. You've been listening to the Everyday Christian Podcast with Chase Green. As always, remember, God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Stand firm in your resolve to be an everyday Christian.